Hi there, and welcome to the Masters Athlete Podcast. I am your host, Rob Arnold, and today we have a fantastic show for you. What we're going to talk about today is fitness testing for the Masters Athlete and finding your readiness to train. So hopefully you've listened to some of my previous podcasts where I've spoke a little bit about that and where... um, especially last week where I went a little bit in depth with Susie Goodwin in our talk about, you know, how to get grandmas or moms that haven't trained in a long time or if ever, how do we get them on the path to success regarding uh, exercise and fitness? And one of the ways to do that is through the use of fitness testing, screening tools, um, and uh, any kind of assessments that we can get our hands on. Now, one caveat to all of this is that we, before starting any kind of physical training program, any kind of fitness training program, we always want to get, um, get tested or go to our physician and ensure that there are no glaring red flags regarding our heart, our blood pressure, or anything like that. So we want to always make sure that we get a physical from our physician or our naturopath or functional medical practitioner, whoever you go to, get some kind of physical to determine whether or not you are able to start exercising. Because last thing we want to do is, is have any problems with, with the heart and have you pass out on your first exercise bout. So with that said, what I wanted to talk about today are just some some very uh, easy screenings and assessments that you can get done to ensure that you're going to um, start off your exercise program on the right path. Now, these screenings are not, um, are just that, they're screenings. So don't look at them as the end-all, be-all thing that you should be doing in order to stay injury-free during your exercise because injuries are going to happen. You cannot predict an injury. You can't accurately say, well, if I do this exercise, I'm never going to get injured. That's that's not going to happen. I'd like to think that my own exercise routine is fairly loaded with all kinds of mobility and stability and strength training and and I try to try to train smart but yet injuries happen so um, with that being said know that these are screening tools assessment tools to get you on the right path so that your so that your risk of injury is a little less than what what it would be if you had you not done these so when we get into fitness testing and screening and assessments, one of the big ones in the world right now is the FMS, the Functional Movement Screening. And there's a lot of proponents and opponents to the FMS. And one of the things that you have to keep in mind with this is that it's a screening tool. It is not the end-all be-all for saying you will or will not get injured. It is a screening tool that is designed to point out some movement patterns that you have that may or may not lead to injury. So let's take, uh, let, let me go through the basics of what the FMS is, and then I will give you an example of what it can and cannot do. So the FMS is a series of seven movements that are graded on a scale of zero to three. So zero would be that you cannot perform the movement without any pain. So if you perform the movement and you receive pain, Boom, you stop the test and you're done, you get a zero. A one indicates that you cannot perform the movement even with compensations. 
a two would indicate that you can perform the movement with compensations, and a three would indicate that you can perform that movement perfectly with zero compensations. So let's take one of the tests, or one of the screens is called an overhead squat. And basically what you do is you get yourself a dowel, uh, say a PVC pipe, or maybe even a broomstick, and you do just your simple overhead squat. Arms overhead, squat as deep as you can go. And what we're looking for is a nice neutral spine um, that's uh, your, your torso is in line with your shins. We want to look for you to go below your, your hips, below parallel, and your ankle, or I'm sure, sorry, your hips, geez, your heels staying on the ground. And so those are the type of things that we look for on this. And if any of those things are faulty, then we look to elevate your heels and take your ankle mobility out of the equation and then go on from there and see, if, see what kind of compensations you have from there. So let's say that in this, ex, in this movement, again, you can perform it, but you, eleva- you have to do it with your heels elevated. Is that, a, is that, quote unquote, a faulty movement? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, it's not a perfect movement, but most people don't, can't do a perfect movement without some kind of compensation. But what it does tell us is that you've got some ankle mobility issues and possibly some hip mobility issues that are preventing you from going down without elevating your heels. So at least that tells us that. And so it gives us an idea of where you're at as far as your hip and ankle mobility is concerned. What we would do then is provide some exercises to help improve them. Now, again, will you ever get to the point where you have perfect ankle and hip mobility? Maybe, maybe not. You can do all of the exercises in the world that Gray Cook and, and Kelly Starrett and the mobility folks in the world tell you to do, but you may have just some genetic makeups within your ankles and hips. You know, your femoral head might be a little bit thicker than, than someone else's and, and it, or a little bit longer and it prevents you from doing, doing the exercise. That, that happens. But what we've done, what we've now done by looking at that movement and identifying a, a, a deficiency is we've now seen where you might have some problems and identify some injuries that might be associated with those problems. Okay? So hopefully that makes sense. So that's just one tool, one assessment that could be done during, a, during the FMS where we're looking at a movement pattern and we're identifying some issues that might lead to some injuries down the road. Will they 100%? No, but we've identified something that's saying, hey, this is an issue, your ankle mobility is an issue, your body works in a chain of of mobile and stable joints, and when one joint goes bad, it leads to problems up and down the chain. So we all know how chains work. If, If one link goes bad, they all go bad. So we want to look at, okay, if the ankle's got issues, that might lead to some stability issues in the knee. That might lead to some more mobility issues in the hip or some stability issues in the, in the lumbar area. So that's something that we want to look at. And so that's what that screen tells us. Again, a lot of folks try to use it as an injury predictor tool, but that's not what it does. It just simply tells us You've got an issue here. It might lead to issues other places. So let's, work, let's focus on correcting that, okay? Now, 
any exercise physiologist, strength coach can, can do this uh, FMS. I highly recommend you get it done by somebody that um, has gone through the training, possibly gone through some continuing education trainings with it, possibly a master's degree. Um, physical therapists can do it. Athletic trainers can do it. But they also can do what's called the SFMA. So that's, it's a, basically the clinical version of the FMS where it takes them through a much larger battery of movements to uh, isolate some, some further issues that might be identified. So if, if somebody has gone and they, they have some T-spine mobility issues that they just can't figure out, that an exercise physiologist can't figure out, they might send them to a physical therapist or an athletic trainer and he or she might perform the SFMA at that time to see, okay, what further movements could we have this person do and isolate, really isolate the problem with what's going on with their T-spine? And then again, get them to do some exercises there, okay? And real quick note, I just wanted to give you a, a, a um, housekeeping uh, note here that I'm recording this outside, so the, you probably hear some birds. Um, I, f- I find that I have a lot more energy, a lot more thought uh, when I'm outside rather than cooped up uh, in, in my basement or in my bedroom or whatever, trying to record in complete silence. So hope you like the, uh, the birds. All right, on to the next one. So you've got the SFMA. You've got the FMS, and over the last couple of years, what the folks at Functional Movement have done, what Gray Cook and them have done, they've, uh, they've, they've seen that the FMS helps identify some, mo- some movement and mobility and stability issues. The SFMA takes a little bit step further, puts it more on the clinical side. But then they, they're, they were trying to figure out, well, what do we have that, or what can we do that can predict performance? And what then they developed then was the functional capacity screen. And this essentially helps identify power, speed, postural endurance, elasticity, those type of things. And it's a screening tool, again, to just to help identify performance. Now, once somebody gets on a court or the field or the track, are they going to absolutely go fall in line with what the FMS and, and functional capacity screen tell them? Not, not, not at all. But again, what it does is identifies areas of weakness to help improve the overall athlete, okay? So when we get to be 50 years old, we've probably got some mobility stability issues. We've probably got some issues um, that, that address our power and speed and especially postural endurance, our ability to maintain posture under a load. So we've got some issues there. So why not test those? Why not screen those? and see what those issues are because if we don't we're just asking for we're just asking for an injury we're uh, we're we, we, we're going blind in and not understanding what our body's capable of doing or what our issues with our body are doing it takes it beyond your basic fitness assessment that acsm is, has uh, preached for years where you know you've got your mile and a half run or or walk you've got your three minute step test you got your sit-ups your push-ups those type of things and that's all fine and dandy for your for your quick cardio endurance and your muscular endurance and muscular strength but when it comes to finding out what you can do long term and and we're all masters athletes what we want to do is we want to identify the best way that we can be the best athlete for performing at the the Masters Track and Field Championships in Ames this summer 
or performing in the Ironman in Kona, or I posted on the Masters Strength and Conditioning Facebook page an article today about a group of uh, older men over 70 that still compete in hockey. You know, so when we're, when we're at this age, what we want is more than just what the ACSM says, you know, what's our muscular endurance now and what is it later? What we want is, are we going to be able to train properly? Are we, do we have any issues that we have from our movement and our stability that are, that are in our postural endurance that are going to affect our movements as we get further down the road? If so, let's address them. Let's incorporate that into our training. What I've done, I know that I have horrible ankles. Um, I, I severely injured one of my ankles last year, last summer, doing just your simple hurdle hop at, at the track. Um, it, it's something that we all, any track athlete has done as, your, as part of your warm-up, just your basic plyometrics where you put a hurdle out, you, you hop over it, you put three or four of them out together, you hop over all of them consecutively. And it's something that I've done thousands of times. And I wound up uh, clipping my foot on the hurdle, falling down, turning my foot, and it was, it was a little bit of an issue. I was in a boot for a while, and, and I didn't run for about six months. But out, even outside of that, uh, you know, with, with football and wrestling and, and basketball injuries, you know, I've, I've got some uh, sprained ankles in the past from when I was a teenager, from 20 years old. Well, that scar tissue just doesn't go away. And we need to recognize that we've got some scar tissue there. And that scar tissue is going to limit our mobility. And that limited mobility is going to cause issues up and down the chain. So if I have limited mobility in my ankles, that's going to cause some issues in my knees, in my hips, and possibly my lumbar area, my my core area. So you can never look at your your lack of mobility in your ankles in a vacuum it has to be lo- looked at you know i've got some knee pain i've got some hip pain well let's look above that let's look below that and see if there's any mobility or stability issues above or below the hip to identify okay this is this could be contributing to your to your hip issues okay so Great Cook, the guys at functional, functionalmovement.com, they've, they've put together some great uh, screening tools. Again, that's all they are, are screening tools. They aren't, they aren't the end-all, be-all test. I know that I've got some folks out there some, that, that are adamant against the FMS because they think that it's a prediction tool, and it's not. It is not. It's a screening tool to give you a better idea of what's happening. Okay? Um, some other things out there. We, we can get a test on our VO2. We can get a test on our lactate threshold, on our stroke volume. Those are the type of more medical-induced tests that you can get done with your naturopath, with your functional medical practitioner. Um, more than likely, your exercise physiologist, your uh, personal trainer at the YMCA, they're not, they're not really going to be able to perform your VO2 lactate threshold stroke volume test, they might be able to in a lab setting if, if you have access to a lab setting at maybe one of your local universities. I know here in Louisville we have that, and you know if I wanted to, I could probably just call down there and, and offer myself up as a guinea pig in their lab. I know that doing a VO2 test is awfully fun. Doing a Wingate test is awfully fun, and I say that uh, extremely sarcastically, but... Um, you know, I'm sure that they would be willing to take uh, volunteers and guinea pigs to do some of the testing down there for that. But most of the time, these are done with uh, a medical practitioner. So 
if you have access to you know a functional medicine or a naturopath or even a primary care physician and they're willing to do some of these tests by all means get it scheduled find out what your vo2 is and in case you don't know vo2 is essentially the amount of oxygen that you're able to use when you when you exercise it, i there's, there's a much longer uh, definition, much longer detailed explanation as to what it is. But in a nutshell, it's the amount of oxygen that you're able to use when you exercise. It's not the amount of oxygen that you are using or that you, or that you can breathe in. That's not it. It's the amount of, ex- amount of oxygen that you can use while you're exercising. It's available for you to use while you're exercising. Obviously, the higher the better. You want to have a high VO2 max. Um, this is somewhat genetically limited. It is not something that if I measure a 40 on the VO2, on a VO2 max, that I can get up to a 70 with, with training. That's, you know, that's not really going to happen. It is somewhat genetically limited. So it, if you measure a 50 and you, and you train really hard, maybe you can get up to a 55 and that's going to be good. And that, that'll give you a better idea of, of how in shape you are. If you're measuring a 35, and you're going out there and doing extremely hard CrossFit workouts, you're going to run into some problems because your VO2 just isn't that high. Uh, lactate threshold, um, we all know what lactic acid is. It's that buildup of, of a waste product that gets into our blood when we do high-intensity exercises. Um, we can actually use lactate. And so what lacta- lactate threshold, threshold is, is our ability to use that lactate and and be able to tolerate the presence of lactate in our blood and a high amount of that by for that matter and so when you look at somebody like a 200 meter runner or a 400 meter runner or maybe even that you know world-class 800 meter runner and they're going balls to the wall on their races they're going to have a fairly high lactate threshold or relatively higher than say a 100 meter runner or let's say maybe even a, a mile or two miler because they're going at a much higher intensity that lactate's getting pushed into their system and they're actually able to use it to their advantage as a little bit of a fuel source. So lactate threshold, a high lactate threshold is really good. Again, you can get that tested with your uh, practitioner or I don't think physical therapists, you know, your, your regular old physical therapist can do it. You'd much probably much rather have it done in a, a medical setting or a lab. Uh, you've also got sports specific testing. I mean, anything that could be done with on the hundred or 200 in the, in track or swimming or bike. Um, you know, if, if I were to be a basketball player, what's, what's my vertical jump? Um, if I were to be a football player, what's my 40-yard dash time? That's something that's a very common testing that they do in the uh, NFL Combine is 40-yard dash or 225-pound bench press test for as many repetitions as possible. So those are some type of things. If you want to mimic the, the NFL Combine, I mean, all of the tests are on there or out there on the interwebs, and you can, you can check it out and do it yourself and, and have some fun with it. But for a master's athlete, we don't really need to do the NFL Combine unless you know, it's just for, just for funsies. But I highly recommend that we have some your, your movement assessments. I highly recommend that you go through your basic physical with a physician, with your naturopath, with your f- functional medical practitioner. I highly recommend you get a body fat test done. The, to see where you're at. Um, it's whether you're at 30%, 10%, 20%, it gives you a goal. 
It gives you an idea where you stand on body fat and you're able to go from there. I know that I downplayed the ACSM uh, assessment a little bit ago, but it's a very good assessment that is easy to do. It's easy to do a one-mile test. It's easy to do a three-minute step test. It's easy to do a push-up test or a sit-up test. And uh, so get it done. Have a, have a exercise physiologist perform the ACSM test for you and get that done, again, to at least give you a baseline of where you're at. It's extremely important for you to get a baseline of all of your movements, all of your mobility stability issues, all of your fitness levels, your body fat, um, your sports specific. If you, again, if you are playing basketball, what your vertical might be, um, what your VO2 lactate threshold start stroke volumes are, get those tests done, write them down, keep notebook of them, maybe put them on a spreadsheet so that you can follow them along and get retested frequently. Okay, get retested because you need to understand just uh, just how important these tests are and what how they're playing into what it is that you're doing as an athlete. Every year we have our physicals done, hopefully. Every year we have our, our metabolic screening done as part of our physical. We need to add these type of tests in as well. And if, you're, if your primary care physician does not do these type of tests, seek it out elsewhere. There's somebody in your town, somebody in your city that is nearby that can do an FMS, that can do a lactate threshold test, that can do body fat. And they'll be more than happy to give you a program to help improve those scores. So hopefully with all that, I've given you a little bit of insight on some, some assessments, some screenings, some tests that you can have done prior to starting your exercise program. Um, there's, there's a lot more out there, but I could go on for days about it. The bottom line is get screened, have some kind of screening tool that you do before you start exercising. If you join a CrossFit gym or if you join an Anytime Fitness and they just allow you to come in and jump into exercises right away, then they're, they're doing you a great disservice. So what your very first question should be when you join a gym is, what kind of screening tool, what kind of assessment tool should I have done uh, prior to starting my exercise program? If, if all they say is have a physical done with your doctor, then you might want to look at going somewhere else, okay? So again, if you have any questions at all, please contact me on my Instagram page, uh, Rob, Rob underscore Arnold 2626. Uh, contact me at my Facebook page, which is Masters Athlete Strength and Performance, um, or Strength and Conditioning, I should say. Um, contact me via email, rob.arnold2626 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what kind of screening tools you do. I'd love to hear some thoughts, some feedback on what is happening out there that, that I'm not seeing and if there's any kind of new screening tools out there. So please contact me. Let me know what's going on. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks.